now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with my good buddy Rich Hill, still trying to bring you our Patriots coverage despite the madness going on in the world. Rich Hill, I got a question for you. I'd like to tell you a little story. Uh, if you've heard this one, stop me. All right. Um, uh, Bill Belichick trades out of the first round, takes a DB in the second round, moves up and down the draft board constantly, only makes one selection. He's originally assigned the entire draft takes a bunch of offensive linemen late, and then signs a bunch of undrafted free agents later on in the story. Ever heard that before? Okay, wait. Uh, let me get this straight, though. Does he take a special teamer in the fifth round? Uh, and... yeah, he, yes, he does. Oh, and uh, is that one player that he stayed to draft? Is he? Did he go to Alabama? Is that? Uh, I feel like I've heard this all before. We have heard this all before. It is a Patriots wash, rinse, repeat draft, which I think is very coronavirus conducive because our entire life is wash, rinse, repeat. Right now. <laughs> so I'm glad to see Bill Belichick basically giving us that same familiarity and normalcy. This is a Patriots draft to a T. I'm psyched to break it down with you, buddy, because I feel like if you're a Patriots fan who isn't either paying attention that much or is paying attention, just doesn't understand how Bill Belichick operates. Uh, maybe you could use some insight into what these players are, how the Patriots expect to use them, and who may be the most impactful rookie coming into the 2020 season, assuming there is one. Yeah, I like that a lot. And so let's start with the the top of the draft. You know, Patriots, as you said, traded down and out of the first round. Kind of expected. You know, they entered the draft having a late first round pick and no second round pick because they traded that for Mohamed Sanu. And so... They needed to kind of close that gap because this was a pretty deep draft, in my opinion, where there wasn't much difference in the quality of the player from pick 20 to pick, you know, 70. So it was good that they were able to pick up some additional capital in the middle of the draft there. And so they traded down with the Los Angeles Chargers and picked up the 37th overall pick where they drafted safety Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan School. Uh, what did you think of that? Have you ever heard of that school? Uh, I hadn't heard of the school, uh, and I'd heard of the player on the periphery. I didn't know anything about him. Uh, I was worried it was another Jordan Richards situation where he was like a, uh, you know, a fifth or sixth round prospect. D2 school, uh, but he was projected to go in the second or third rounds. This wasn't some kind of massive reach for Bill Belichick. The old question mark was, you know, we were always saying, Rich, that I feel like the pages are, are pretty well set in the secondary, and it wasn't the immediate position of need. But Belichick's always like, we're going to draft the guy that we think best fits our scheme. And Duggar is a athletic freak. Uh, he was grossly above his coverage in D2. He was the best player on the field by far on both sides. Uh, absolute monster. Big dude, 6'1", 6'2", 220. Uh, I can definitely see him being kind of the, the Patrick Chung era parent. Good in-the-box safety, uh, good lateral speed, kind of a hard hitter. Maybe uh, reminiscent of the old 37, not Jordan Richards, but Rodney Harrison. Maybe that hmm. kind of just like like enforcer, uh, if he can pick up the, the system. Obviously, the, the complexity of the defense is the big issue. Does he have the ability to make the jump, not only from D2 to the NFL, uh, but into a very difficult Patriots defensive scheme? So that is the real question mark. But uh, on paper, the physical tangibles are great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big fact that everyone can point to where you just realize what you said, he's just outclassed the D2 talent so much, is that he played basically half the season his senior year. You know, he suffered an injury, 
and he only played a half the season, and he was still named the best defensive player in D2. Like, he, he was just so much above and beyond better than everyone else. He was a second-round talent. It makes sense. The Patriots were considering drafting him in the first round, as well as another player they wound up with, but we'll talk about that next. Um, but I, I like what they can do with Kyle Duggar because they don't need him to play right now. Uh, he can kind of develop a little bit. And I think you mentioned that he could be eventually the heir to Patrick Chung. I think he's the potential immediate replacement for Deron Harmon. I think that is where I see this going and potentially the long-term replacement for maybe a Devin McCourty. I know McCourty's uh, definitely faster, so I don't think he can do that single high, but Duggar can play both in the box. He can play deeper a little bit. He offers that versatility that I don't know if he can necessarily play as close to the line of scrimmage as Patrick Chung does. And I think that's okay because New England signed Adrian Phillips in the offseason. And I view Adrian Phillips on his multi-year contract as that long-term replacement for Patrick Chung. Duggar gives them a little bit of a more talent deeper in the secondary. And then you can have Devin McCourty moving back to his single high safety role where you can probably play that for the foreseeable future. I don't see any decline in his ability uh, so long as he doesn't get hurt. So I like the pick with Duggar. It's definitely a pick with 2021 in mind, and that's all right. That's how the Patriots always take these players in the the draft and in the secondary is that they're not ever expected to step in on day one. And with Patrick Chung aging, Devin McCourty aging, uh, I, I think it makes sense that they need to start investing for the future in the secondary. Unfortunately, one thing we're kind of skirting around, Rich, is this was a DB taken in the second round, which means it <laughs> has no shot of making it in the NFL. I'm sorry, Kyle Duggar. Uh, it's not your fault. It's just kind of the way it works. Yeah, uh, and if, if the Patriots had just taken him in the first round, it would be entirely yeah, different. Yeah, first, third, fourth, he'd be great. But second round DB is just never going to happen. So sorry, Kyle. Hope you got a backup plan. <laughs> Which is a good transition to my personally, my favorite pick of the entire Patriots draft. Uh, their 60th overall pick in the second round, uh, Josh Uche, or Uche, uh, outside linebacker out of Michigan, pairing him with Chase Winovich, uh, teammates, edge defenders. I love this kid. I think was a great pick, Rich. How do you think? Oh, I love this pick. And it is so when I mentioned that Kyle Duggar was a player that the Patriots were considering in the first round, Josh is a second player. Like both of these were guys that New England had first round grades on. They're super excited to have him. He offers that immediate versatility where I wouldn't be surprised if he stepped in on day one. Uh, he can play on the line of scrimmage. He can play off ball. I would say think of how the Patriots utilized Jamie Collins or maybe Kyle Van Noy to see a little bit of the flexibility where you know he can stand up. He gives the Patriots exactly what they need at that spot. He is a fantastic pass rusher. I think Pro Football Focus had him as the most efficient pass rusher of the past two seasons, and that is even comparing himself against Chase Young. Uh, he's not as well-rounded of a player as Chase Young, but he brings in that pass rush capability, and uh, he has the Patriot side. Six uh, Patriot size. He's six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds. That's exactly what Bill Belichick loves in his linebackers. And even more impressively, he's only twenty one years old, so he has a lot of growth that he continue to do. I think he is a day one starter for the Patriots on defense, and uh, I'm just a big fan of it. No, so am I. Um, he's a great player. Again, he's got the the Michigan connection. There's a good chance of he'll be a day one starter. Uh, he's actually funny. The the second shortest player on the Patriots front seven at, at six foot two. I believe they actually added an inch to his his height on the roster. He's six <laughs> one, uh, but he's got uh, really long arms. He's a he's a beast in pass rush. And I think him and Chase Winovich uh, kind of bookending the the edge. They can both drop into uh, the linebacker spot. I think there's a lot of versatility, which is a really nice 
really nice uh, benefit to a Bill Belichick defense. Um, I'm excited about that pick again. Probably my favorite pick in the draft. And then they're their third-round pick, Rich. They took another uh, linebacker. Um, their 87th pick overall was their actual pick that they had. This is the only Patriot they picked at their original assigned selection. Uh, not the NBA player, Anthony Jennings. The outside linebacker out of Alabama, Anthony Jennings. Uh, another decent <laughs> pick. I don't think they needed a linebacker here, but were you, were you happy with this one? Oh, I loved it. I, I think that this makes a lot of sense because the Patriots, I mean, they went into the draft with Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley as the only two linebackers. I think Jennings, he plays that outside linebacker role for Alabama, uh, where, you know, it was very similar to what Hightower is. You know, I, I think he will be on the line of scrimmage more in the Patriots defense. You know, Hightower is such a special player that he was able to be a middle linebacker in the New England scheme. I think Jennings will be that, you know, I mentioned the the Kyle Van Noy type player. I would say he's closer to like the, the Rob Ninkovich, Kyle Van Noy plays specifically on the line and doesn't offer that same versatility to drop back into coverage like, uh, like Josh Uche does. But I, I think that, Jennings calling card and what will get him on the field early is that he's an outstanding run defender. He's someone who didn't necessarily live up to his expectations on a completely stacked Alabama defense, and that's completely okay. Um, and he's, you know, had to deal with some injuries there. But he is someone that can definitely slot in as a run defender. He complements who they have on the front line. And uh, I think that his rotation with John Simon, Chase Winovich, Dietrich Wise, uh, I'd even throw in Shalik Calhoun, uh, but definitely Brandon Copeland, who they signed this offseason. Patriots have some pretty nice depth at what I would consider to be a bunch of 3-4 outside linebackers. So a lot of odd front end guys. Yeah, totally. totally. Another classic Belichick pick. Uh, he's very much a versatile linebacker. I'd be very curious to see if he has day one potential uh, in his starting ability. I don't know if they're going to kind of ease him there, maybe a rotational player. But uh, Anthony Jennings, good name, too. It's like a good, solid football name. So true. Uh, which I really, really like. Uh, going on to the other third-round pick they made, finally, Rich Hill, after I don't know how many podcasts, discussions, back-and-forth arguments, crying matches you and I have had over what the Patriots <laughs> do at the tight end position, they finally went in the third round, 91st overall, and picked Devin Asiasi, um, I think that's how you pronounce his name, tight end out of UCLA, one of the top tight ends in the draft for what it's worth. Um, I don't know if there's really a, a, a elite tight end in this draft class, but one of the better tight ends in this draft class. Um, what do you think of this pick? Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to loop in Dalton Keene, who is their next pick at the end of the third round out of Virginia Tech. The two tight ends that the Patriots took, uh, I like them. I, I could see the argument from a lot of people that the Patriots overdrafted the tight end spot here. But if these were the players that New England had on the board, I don't think there's that big of a difference between taking them at the end of the third here or risking it and waiting to you know the end of the fourth, the fifth round, where these players had their original draft you know, prognostication slotted at. If these are the players that you want, go get them. I have no problem with doing that at the end of the third. There's not that big of a deal. I like both of these picks. So these are players who aren't necessarily polished right now, but they have a ridiculous amount of upside. They have that tight end size that the Patriots generally look for. Uh, Asiasi is six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds. Dalton Keene is six foot four, two hundred and fifty. So it's very hard in this era of college football to find tight ends that are over 250 pounds because there's a lot of those receiving tight ends and that's just not what the Patriots are looking for at the role so they've added two tight ends that are probably going to be number one and two on the death chart I wouldn't be surprised uh on day one 
Uh, you have Matt Lacoste, who is a veteran, who sure will probably make the team, but this is reminding me of 2010 when the Patriots had Algie Crumpler, uh, although you know Crumpler was a far more polished and notable player than Matt Lacoste. But I, I like Asiasi's uh, proven receiving ability. He had 44 catches for 641 yards in his final year. Uh, he, he really broke out as a receiver there, and he's like manageable enough as a blocker. Whereas Dalton Keene's on the other side of the spectrum. He was just wildly underutilized while he was at Virginia Tech, uh, but he still managed to produce enough when given the opportunity. He didn't think that his stock would rise anymore if he returned to school. He's also only 21 years old, super young, and he was used everywhere, and he's a huge projection coming out of Virginia Tech, but I think that he probably has higher upside than Devin Asiasi, even though uh, I, I think that Keen is probably going to take a little bit longer to come along, as most rookie tight ends need to. Probably, and I, I don't know if they're going to be doing a, a two-tight end set immediately, the way they tried to with Gronkowski and Hernandez. I do think, based on Jarrett Stidham, his development, they are going to go bigger and more run-heavy, and they're not going to be a very complex, complicated offense. I think they're going to do a lot of high-percentage passes, a lot of running, a lot of big, big, big plays, and I think these two tight ends can fit that mold well. I do think they are, I agree with you, they are number one and two on the depth chart right now. I'd be very curious to see how it works out for Lacoste and Izzo, but uh, we'll wish them the best if that's the last time they catch a pass from in New England. That's totally fine. Um, so far, it's been a very Belichickian draft, Rich Hill. Uh, we can get some players that might pan out, a couple players we love, a couple head scratchers, uh, and now we're in the fifth round where we took another classic Belichick move, as you alluded to earlier in the podcast, a special teamer in the fifth round, Justin Rohrwasser. Uh, one of the picks that no one really knew exactly what was going on. He wasn't the number one kicker. The number one, Blankenship was still on the board at this point, which makes me really upset. They could have had Blankenship. I just love that kid. I love the glasses, love the personality. Um, this is a kicker that hadn't really made a kick longer than I think 40 yards in his first three seasons. Uh, but then he made five from 45 plus in 2019. He had a game winning. I think there's a clutch gene um, that he has. There's a lot of game winners, a couple big kicks when it matters. Um, but, uh, I guess Belichick saw something to him. We didn't. And he's now the, the Patriots kicker going forward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was definitely head scratcher. We, we can't address this selection without also talking about the, the, everything that came from it. So, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, Rohrwasser was, uh, spotted having a tattoo of the three percenters. It's a far right anti-government paramilitary group. Uh, he got it he, between his freshman and sophomore year while at URI uh, before he transferred over to Marshall. He thought it was a military support symbol, uh, even though uh, it's not. <laughs> um, and so he says he's going to cover it up. I, I think he had plenty of time to cover it up beforehand. It's just one of those picks where, in my head, yeah, Blankenship, who somehow went undrafted, was an option. Tyler Bass was another player that was an option. He was a, just an exceptional kicker out of Georgia Southern. He could have been selected, but the Bills took him in the sixth round. The Patriots took Rohrwasser because he's shown that he can kick in the elements. He had this moment where I believe he got iced twice uh, on game-winning kicks of like 53 yards and nailed all three of them. Uh, so they they liked how he could perform under pressure there. Just in my mind, though, uh, if you're going to take a kicker in the fifth round, you take the one without the the extraordinarily questionable tattoo. Uh, <laughs> there's many other options that they could have done there. It was just like a a pick that it just you wish that the Patriots had done more of their due diligence on. 
again, let's, it's, uh, if, he, if he is, I don't really know anything about three percenters. I don't want to speak to them because I haven't done the research necessary to uh, judge them accurately. Uh, I do know that uh, Mike Freeman posted an article uh, several years ago saying we should not judge NFL players by their tattoos, um, which was in reference to the players that came in with various gang symbols and whatnot on their on their on their bodies. Uh, Roarwasher said he regrets it. wasn't He didn't know he's going to get it. He's going to get it shaken off. And maybe he was an idiot, and now he's not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I don't really personally care about his political allegiance. I care about his his personality and morality. Uh, as long as he's a good kicker and he toes a line and he says the right things, does the right things, um, and he makes game winners, that's all that really matters to me at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we'll ultimately see what happens here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still holding out hope for a Vinatieri reunion just because <laughs> why not? He's available now. You know, we're talking about Blankenship. He went to Indianapolis, so that means that Vinatieri, you know, he's out there, cold-weather guy. Why not if he wants yeah. to retire as a member of the Patriots? That's always an option. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Patriots made a very classic pick in the fifth round by taking a special teamer. Uh, let's bl- let's kind of run through uh, the sixth and seventh rounds here just because these are the rounds, you know, if you've been following the Patriots for a while, they, these are the rounds that the Patriots don't really value as much as the previous ones. So the way that New England kind of views it is that rounds one through four are players that you get either your starters or your contributors in the fifth round, you get your special teamers or the players that have just plummeted for whatever reason. Uh, you know, that's where they got Marcus Cannon because he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then the sixth and seventh round is what New England uses to get their preferred free agents. And it makes sense if you look at the trajectory and projection of how players in these rounds are selected. It's completely random. It's a total coin flip on whether or not they'll be successful or not. So what the Patriots did here was draft three offensive linemen and then a linebacker out of Wyoming, who is kind of the lesser heralded of the linebacker duo there behind Logan Wilson. Uh, looking at these offensive linemen, Alec, they got Michael Onwenu out of Michigan, Justin Heron out of Wake Forest, and Dustin Woodard out of Memphis. Do you think any of these players have a chance of making the roster, or what were your thoughts when the Patriots invested so many picks in the line? I think it's a smart move. Line depth has killed the Patriots in the past. Uh, 2015 comes to mind immediately. Dante Scarnecchia is now gone. He's no longer there as the offensive line coach. I think having a lot of pieces in place is going to be important. Uh, I like Heron because I think he's a guard and a tackle. He can uh, bounce around, so he's got some versatility along the line. I still think and Joe Tooney hasn't been extended. His franchise tag is still in effect, and I imagine they're looking to either extend him or trade him. Uh, I think mostly the, the former. I can't see them trading Joe Tooney at this point based on the offensive lineman they have now. So I think Heron's got a good spot to get kind of like a, a backup role. I'll be very curious to see if uh, if Woodard makes it, uh, maybe as a, a practice squad guy. It's good to have a backup center. It's really all about when it comes to the center, the communication and the rapport and the trust between the center and the quarterback. Uh, Andrews is the guy, but, you know, he had a pretty serious blood clot uh, IR situation last year. He said he's back to playing shape, but that's definitely a question mark. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, David Andrews was an undrafted guy who yep. usurped Brian Stork, the third or fourth round draft pick. So uh, I don't know if if the draft stock is as relevant to the center's chances of playing as just his ability to produce on the field and develop a relationship with, with Jared Stidham, the quarterback. So I think both these guys have, guys have a good shot to make the roster and or the practice squad. 
Yeah, I mean, these are players that definitely have the opportunity to make the team because I don't think there is any solidified depth roles on the Patriots. You know, you have the starting lineup, which is pretty set. You have Isaiah Wynn and Marcus Cannon as the starting tackles. You have Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney as the guards. And then theoretically, you have David Andrews as the center. Uh, I would expect that he's pretty locked in there. But behind that, there's a lot of players that are under contract, sure. But there's no one that you're like, oh, you're a lock to make it. You know, even uh, Kahuste out of uh, the third round last year, he missed his entire rookie season. He's not a sure thing to make the roster. Uh, Hialte Froholtz, their fourth round pick last year, also missed the full season. Who knows? Uh, Corey Cunningham and Jermaine Illuminor were two veterans that they acquired last year, but who knows if they're locks. So the best offensive linemen will win the jobs. And I think it's especially important this year with Dante Skarniecki no longer with the team that the Patriots selected a bunch of players that were super experienced. You know, he, he uh, on Wenu is a three-year starter at right guard. Justin Heron, I believe, was like a four-year starter at tackle. And then Dustin Woodard was a four-year starter on the interior line at both, uh, right, uh, both guard positions and at center. So they offer a lot of versatility on Wenu is one of the best run blockers in the entire draft, but he is, you know, a mountain of a man, six foot three, 350 pounds. So there's a little bit less of the agility when it comes to being a pass blocker. And then Heron and Woodard are a little bit on the undersized spot. They're both 290 pounds, which is small for offensive linemen these days. If they can put on you know, an additional 15 to 20 pounds of weight, then they'll likely be able to have like a quality NFL career, either as a fringe starter or as a backup, or, you know, who knows, maybe they'll develop into a starter. And I don't think that it's any out of the question that they could do it with the Patriots because David Andrews was a little bit undersized as well when, when he started, and he has developed into one of the best centers in the entire league. So I like these picks. You can never have too much competition on the offensive line, and the Patriots always carry uh, you know two or three offensive linemen on the practice squad. Might as well get these guys early because they have a lot of potential. And so I liked those picks a lot. Uh, and then the final draft pick that they had was Cash Maluya out of Wyoming, as I mentioned earlier, he was the less heralded linebacker playing next to Logan Wilson, who was a third round pick. Uh, Maluya, you know, 204th overall. He's six feet tall, 248 pounds. He was very productive uh, with his time at Wyoming. He's definitely a little bit smaller, and he adds some depth to the Patriots linebacker room. Do you think he has a chance of making the roster? It's funny. I feel like he does i know linebacker is kind of a, a crowded position but i think he could he could surprise this is classic a case of a of maybe a guy showing flashes in preseason and having special teams value uh he actually had a he ran a four five three forty uh which had him the seventh fastest linebacker uh at the combine and of the six people who ran faster five of them were taken in rounds one through three wow so I think he's got some some measurables and comparisons to some um, quote unquote more talented linebackers that just didn't allow, but he wasn't really allowed to shine at Wyoming. So he could be one of those kind of late round draft steals, really comes into his own. They play special teams year one, then year two, year three, really comes into his own as a sort of kind of a I don't know like a Landon Roberts kind of guy that just makes it makes it makes a name for himself. But I think it's a long hill to climb to contribute early. But if he can stick around, I like the kid. Yeah, I like that. I mean, they definitely need to have that linebacker depth right now uh, from the off-the-ball linebacker standpoint. They didn't really address that too much. You know, you got Uche who can play it a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if that were ultimately his role. But from a pure off-the-ball linebacker spot, uh, you have Juwan Bentley. <laughs> That's kind of it. So it's good to have a guy who can play it on special teams. They need someone with a little bit of size for that unit. 
And yeah, if he continues to develop, he has the the athletic profile, but you know, he he definitely needs to put everything together when he's on the field. So he'll have that opportunity to to make the roster. If he can make special teams, he'll be in no better, you know, no better system to develop than under Bill Belichick. So I like that a lot. Ultimately, Alec, when you look through top to bottom of this Patriots draft, who's your favorite pick? Who's your least favorite pick? And how would you grade it? That's a good question. I'd say again, this is a this is a. I feel like every single Belichick draft is a C, uh, in either a good way <laughs> or a bad way. Uh, there's, I, I, with the exception of maybe the year was it 2012 or 13 when they moved up to the first round and picked took uh, Jones and Hightower in the first round. 2012. This, 2012. This is just a. This is what Bill Belichick does every single draft, and what people love to do because it's the off season, and we like to predict is you know we always grade drafts as this guy's going to be great and this guy's going to be great, and then you cut to a year and a half later and the first rounder's gone and the sixth rounder stepped up and no one knows anything. Uh, I think this is a classic Belichick draft. I'm going to give him a C. He did exactly what he's done every year. He's average par for the course. Uh, some of these players are going to dominate. Some of them are not. Uh, again, my favorite pick, uh, hands down, has to be Uche pick out of Michigan. I think that was a great pick. I think 60 is a great spot to get him. I think mm-hmm. he's going to have a great time with, with Chase Winovich. Um, in terms of my least favorite pick, uh, yeah, I, I guess I gotta go with 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 Justin Rowasser. Um, tattoo issues aside, I, I think there are better kickers than him, more consistent kickers than him. Uh, I guess the clutchness and the weather uh, allowed the Patriots to reach for him and, and take him. But um, I just feel like that's a that's a pick that might come back to bite them when the, the chips are down there. They're down by two with with ten seconds left, and they have like a forty eight yarder in the snow. I just don't know if he's the guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. That was my my least favorite pick too. It's definitely a, a head scratcher that uh, that they would go that way. You know, it didn't seem like he was on many people's radars, especially in the fifth round. Um, so we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an additional kicker brought in at some point during the off season, just to get that competition going. Um, and my, my favorite pick, I mean, I love that Josh pick as well at 60. That was just such incredible value. I just think that you can't go wrong there, but I'm going to go with, uh, a little bit of a cheating here. I love that they finally addressed the tight end spots. The double dip at the end of the third round was perfect. They got the two guys with the best upside in the entire draft. Uh, they got the guys with the right size. They have the speed and the athleticism, and they can catch the ball. Uh, they're, you know, Keen's a little bit better of a blocker than Asiasi, but, uh, you know, they complement each other very well, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there aren't many good tight ends in the NFL, right? There's like five game-changing tight ends, and then there's an additional ten tight ends that are above average, and then you get a bunch of guys that you can plug them into the right offense and they'll produce, you put them in a different offense and no one will have ever heard of them. I think that Asiasi and Keen have the opportunity to reach that, you know, above average tier, if everything comes together and the fact that they took two of them really helps the odds that at least one of them will be successful and the Patriots need to have a good tight end because we saw how atrocious the offense was last year when they didn't have any sort of production there. And so while I'm not going to expect a lot of production from either of these tight ends at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them really started to turn heads towards the end of the regular season and started developing a good rapport with Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, man, I hope so. That's, that's what Belichick does, right? He knows that the draft's kind of in his exact science, no matter how happy the kid is coming out of college, that is no guarantee he will translate into the NFL at all. So he may as well get as many pieces in place as possible, throw a lot of players at the wall, see what sticks. 
which also was a great transition into the undrafted free agents that Bill Belichick took. We're going to take a quick pause for commercial, and we're going to come back talk about the UDFA class and which of those guys have any shot to make the roster. All right, we are back. Uh, the Patriots have drafted players. They have done their usual thing, and as always, once the draft concludes, they bring some guys in, sign some rookies off the street who did not get drafted in hopes that one, maybe two of them will contribute this is an area where the Patriots have had success in years past. They find these gems, these diamonds in the rough, and they are able to make them work. Uh, the Patriots have made uh, a bunch of signings. There's Will Hastings out of Auburn. There's Jamar Smith, a QB out of Louisiana Tech. Rashad Berry, a tight end out of Ohio State. Miles Bryant, a cornerback out of Washington. Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> Great name. He's a defensive tackle out of William and Mary, I believe, and his uh, his his uh, headshot is him in a bow tie and a mustache, looking like a 1920s bartender. So hopefully he's got a good <laughs> shot. Uh, there's receiver Isaiah Zuber uh, out of Mississippi. Uh, there's a university linebacker, Dejon Harris, and there is a wide receiver out of Syracuse, Sean Riley. Running back out of Arizona, J.J. Taylor. Linebacker to San Diego State, Kiava Tezino. Excuse me. Courtney Wallace Jr., linebacker, Louisiana Tech. Jeff Thomas, Miami receiver. Brian Lewerke, QB, Michigan State. Treven Hill, defensive end, Miami. Jake Burt, T.E., Boston College. Nick Coe, defensive end, Auburn. Those are your defensive and offensive undrafted free agents. That's a lot, Rich. And these guys in particular stand out. Who has a shot to make the roster? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this was an interesting undrafted free agent class because you have a mix of like the undersized players. You have a bunch of different of those slot receivers guys with Hastings and Zuber and Riley. Those are three of the smaller guys. Add in JJ Taylor, who's a five foot five running back out of Arizona. So you got a bunch of these smaller players out there. I didn't even mention Jeff Thomas that have some level of production in the NFL, and it's a question of can they, you know take whatever elements that they succeeded at and you know, thrive with the Patriots, there's definitely opportunity in the wide receiver class for that sort of development and growth. And then you have a whole bunch of players that were kind of uh, you know dismissed from their team or having some sort of issues. Like Jeff Thomas was briefly dismissed from Miami for a little bit. Uh, Trevin Hill was dismissed from Virginia Tech. Uh, Nick Coe was suspended at Auburn. There's like some questions there, but I would say... There is always going to be an undrafted player that makes the roster with the Patriots. I like the Jamar Smith pick. He's a high upside quarterback guy, makes a lot of big throws, uh, but he needs to have a little bit more consistency out there. But the player that I think has the best chance of making the team, uh, I'm going to go with Bill Murray, actually. Uh, you know, not just because of the name, but because of the ability that he offers. He's uh, comes from a smaller school, William and Mary, so there's definitely going to be a transition there. Uh, but he has good size at six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds. He was strong at the line of scrimmage, so we'll see if that can translate into the NFL. But more importantly, he was very good on special teams. Uh, he had four blocked kicks in his last season, and he had 10 total in his career. And you know that the one way to make the roster as an undrafted free agent with the Patriots is to succeed on special teams. You look at the Patriots' defensive line depth, it's pretty shallow. If Bill Murray can you know, put on 10 pounds or so, I don't see why he can't be the next Adam Butler for this Patriots defense. You have Lawrence Guy, who's definitely going to make the roster. He's outstanding. They signed Bo Allen as a veteran. Uh, he's probably going to make the team. And then you have Butler, 
But then it's kind of open season. Uh, Byron Cowart was a fifth round pick last year and he was kind of that stash player on the, the active roster. And, uh, that's kind of who he's competing against. There's some other undrafted free agent defensive interior guys, but it, it, I think when you look at the combination of the pay, a player's path to the roster through special teams, as well as who they're competing against, I don't see there being an undrafted player with a more direct spot on the roster than Murray. I'll tell you, Rich, as a writer for Pat's Pulpit who loves to work in movie quotes and references, <laughs> uh, Bill Murray, it would be an absolute goldmine for me and make my job a lot easier. So I'm rooting very hard for him. Uh, the real question at that point is why I make more Caddyshack or Ghostbusters references or Groundhog Day. There's, the possibilities are endless. Very excited about that. And here's hoping because I think that would be a great story. Um, for me, I think the guy that, with the best chance to make the roster is going to be receiver Will Hastings, uh, mainly because he was Jared Stiff former receiver at Auburn. Uh, he played out of the slide. Auburn just Stidham has some rapport with him already. They have some communication. It shouldn't be as hard for Hastings and other receivers to pick up the cadence and the timing because he's got a couple seasons with, with Stidham under center. So, uh, and I do think there is room for maybe a, a, a one more receiver in the Edelman, Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers roster, maybe the fifth receiver there. Uh, I don't know if Gunnar Oshesky is going to be a, a contributor or not, but I think there, there's room for one more receiver. And I always feel like every year there's this receiver that comes out of nowhere in the preseason and we're all excited about him and then nothing happens in the regular season. And the guy that's going to be that, and for me, is Will Hastings, if not just for the, the intangibles he's got, but again, he's got the Stidham connection to begin with, so he's got a leg up on the competition there. I like that. I mean, again, we were saying, where can a player make the roster? Special teams, Patriots need return men. I know that that's likely Kyle Duggar's role. Uh, he was a great return man uh, in college, but there's always that opportunity to stand out as a returner. Patriots need one of those. Uh, that's how Olszewski made the roster last year. And, uh, you know, if, if they have anyone blocking their way, the only real locks at wide receiver are Edelman, Harry, and Sanu. That's kind of it. I, I like the potential of Myers. I think he'll make the roster. But if all of a sudden the wheels come off the bus, I wouldn't be shocked. But there's no one really roster lockable at wide receiver beyond those top three. And as a result, why couldn't it be Hastings? I like that a lot. I like it. Um, when you look at the full roster, you know, end of the draft, end of undrafted free agency, well, how, how do you look at the Patriots roster seeing where there might be potential gaps or the fact that they didn't address the, the quarterback position? Again, I think them not addressing the QB position is a big talking point for a lot of people. They feel they could have gone and gotten moved up and gotten somebody. Andy Dalton was released, and thank Tebow, he did not come to the Patriots. <laughs> uh, I was sweating out that free agency signing. Thank goodness he's in Cowboys in Dallas uh, with the Cowboys. That's fine with me. I wanted no part of him because he would have been just successful enough to get a lousy draft pick the next year and for them to say, see, Bill Belichick with anybody conversation would have been a nightmare. And I think you should look at the the offseason and how the world is right now, Rich. I mean, these kids who are coming out of college – playing in the single most difficult position across any professional sport that has probably the highest failure rate and turnover rate from rookie to, to, to college senior in a shortened offseason with limited access to players and coaches and game tape and practices and the nuances of it are going to be jumping into a very weird NFL season in 2020, if it even happens at all, 
and expected to deliver at the same level as a rookie who had the benefit of an entire COVID-free offseason. And so why not go with a guy who learned under the greatest of all time, who knows the system already, who they were high on, who probably would have been like a top five quarterback pick in this draft had he waited and declared then. I think they know what they have in this kid, uh, and I'm, I'm very happy about it. What I'm very curious about, though, is are they going to roll with just Stidham and, and Hoyer at quarterback, or are one of the undrafted quarterbacks they brought in, uh, Brian Jaworki, uh and uh, whatever his name is. Jamar Smith. Jamar Smith, thank you. Uh, if one of those guys makes it as a third quarterback, I think that's one of the more intriguing uh, decisions to be made over the next couple months. Is this, I think Stidham's locked in as number one, barring some kind of crazy move for like Aaron Rodgers because of the draft pick the Packers made, uh, or are they going to go with one of the undrafted rookies at the third spot? But I think I think I like the move for Jarrett Stidham. Let's be drafted him. Let's go with him, especially based on the offseason we're about to experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that's solid logic, too. I, I, the way that I look at it is, uh, of the players that they could have drafted, who would be better than Stidham after one year in the system right now? Who offers more upside? And I don't see it. I, I think Stidham, other than Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, there was not another quarterback in the draft that I would say, oh, yeah, I'd much rather have them at the spot that they were drafted. You know, if Jalen Hurts... Uh, had fallen into the third round, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely go for that, just because I think that would be super fun. Uh, I think he was a great college quarterback. I think he might translate into the NFL, but he was selected by the Eagles. So, like, that just didn't happen. And other than that, uh, I just don't see, didn't see a college quarterback that would have stepped in and said, all right, I'm going to take this role from Stidham right now. And so from what exactly what you said with this entire offseason, how the Patriots approached it, it didn't make sense to take another developmental player, really, uh, beyond the fact that they took a developmental player, Jamar Smith, as an undrafted player, and he offers just as much upside as, you know, Jordan Love in the first round that the Packers took. I, I think, I, I really believe that. I think that Love was greatly overdrafted. And uh, you go for those high upside players with no risk as undrafted. So why not take Jamar Smith there? And so I, this really was a testament to the fact that they're going to roll forward with Stidham and Hoyer for right now. Uh, barring any injury. Uh, and, and I think that they're going with Hoyer because of his familiarity with the system. He could step in and be, you know, a mid-low tier starting quarterback with the Patriots. I don't think that he's a better talent than an Andy Dalton or a Cam Newton uh, by any measure. I think those players are better, but exactly what you said, that they would only serve to kind of ruin the Patriots draft stock. And uh, if Stidham can perform as a league average quarterback, you wouldn't want to have him competing with an Andy Dalton or a Cam Newton at that point because those guys are league average quarterbacks. So you take someone like Hoyer that can help Stidham in the quarterback room because he's extraordinarily familiar with the offense. He can help Stidham develop. And, you know, if need be, he can be that guy who can direct the Patriots offense into a five and 11 finish in a top five pick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. You know, I mean, it's going to be if the Patriots don't do well, then they don't do well and they build for next year and they see what they have and they become like a normal NFL franchise that isn't in a position where they have to win the Super Bowl every year or else the season's a disaster. It's just an absurd standard to set for 20 years. And it's refreshing in a lot of ways to be kind of starting from the ground up, to be excited about each move, to be curious about games being played in September, to watch guys develop. And so far, based on this draft and this roster, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. There are a lot of young guys that are basically in position to replace the aging players who are in their 30s now. And uh, it should be interesting couple of, a couple of weeks. And the good thing is the schedule comes out later on this week. Rich, I think uh, two days from now, Thursday, 
this comes out, and there should be a lot more discussion as to whether the current roster can stack up against a pretty tough schedule in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, they have a crazy schedule right now. They're playing both Western divisions, I believe. So that's going to be an absolute nightmare. Uh, but yeah, I, I think when you see who they have on their team right now, quarterback is the biggest question mark. I think their running back team is good. I mean, it's probably one of the better ones. The tight end group is uh, full of upside, but they're better than they are last year. I do honestly believe that. The offensive line, they're returning everyone, uh, and the return of David Andrews should be a huge boost, and hopefully Isaiah Wynn can stay healthy this year. And if that is the case, then this offensive line will be fine. The defense, they're the best one in the league last year. They lost some key players, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, I, I think that they did a good job replacing them with young players. There's definitely going to be some growing pains, but so long as the secondary is the best in the entire league, and I truly believe that, that this is still going to be a top-five defense. It'll give players time to grow and develop and evolve. And this is going to be a season that has a lot of games that are finishing, you know, 16 to 13 or, you know, 19 to 17. It's going to be just a brutal, brutal game every single weekend. Uh, I'm ready, as hope you are too, Alec, to gain about 20 years based off of the stress from the season. Yes, I am. However, again, I'm hoping that with this new era of, of Patriots football, I will be able to kind of dial it back a little bit. Like, I am not in a position at this conversation, Ritz. I am not expecting a Super Bowl and a really deep playoff run. I'm excited for a solid season that shows promise and development. And the reason that the players are doing well is because they're learning the system and learning under Belichick and they're building towards maybe the next era of Patriots football. And that'll be a nice change of pace. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? If, if Stidham is the guy and you know what? Maybe he is. Maybe he could be that, uh, you know, that Andy Dalton. I, I maybe potentially progress into like a Kirk Cousins type player where he's a fringe top 10 guy. That will be absolutely enough for Bill Belichick to compete for Super Bowls. He can build a team around him. I'm very excited. I think this was the case a few years ago when they had Jimmy Garoppolo, who really showed that he had the opportunity to be an NFL starter. Uh, That's been life after Tom Brady first started to creep into my head a little bit. And it's just kind of exciting. It's, it's, it's refreshing for all the reasons that you mentioned, that the stress level is entirely different, the expectations are different, and it, it's, you're starting over from scratch. And I, I'm just very excited to see where this era, you know, 2020, where this season and next few years of Patriots football takes us. Indeed, Rich. And it'll all start off with the schedule release this Thursday, May 7th. Uh, maybe you and I can come back and break down that schedule when it comes out, talk about the games that are toughest, the bye week, all that good stuff, and try and break down how the Pats are going to fare in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll have more information on that and everything else about Patriots football on patspulpit.com. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man.